Hello, summer camp enthusiasts. Today, we are doing something new. We are kicking off the campaign with a camp world building episode. Look, we, we made it all the way to the end. <laughs> Yay, we're done? <laughs> yeah, we're not playing anymore. <laughs> no, we're done. We graduated from Dungeons and Dragons? We haven't graduated. We are doing a new thing, like leaving school and getting on the bus to summer camp. We're going to be playing a different game here on Enjoy the Party. We're playing a campaign of Monster of the Week. Woo! Yay! Yay! We did it. Now, hey, why are we doing this? I don't, I don't want to play Dungeons and Dragons for a little bit. I want I want Wizard of the Coast to go cool their heels and sit over there. I need like a summer away from Wizards of the Coast. Mm -hmm. Like six weeks maybe. <laughs> and just like doing like extracurricular activities at summer camp and learning new skills, we're going to learn a new game. <gasps> this is the equivalent of like archery or like learning cricket. At summer camp? Did you learn cricket yeah. at summer camp? Did you go summer camp in England, in the UK? There was a guy who was really obsessed with cricket, and he <laughs> taught a bunch of campers how to play cricket 100%. Hmm. Was he from foggy London town? Oh, God. Well, he was in Canada, so like there's Canada is like a little it's, bit of- In some ways, the England of North America. Someone put like a <laughs> tablespoon of England into a country, and then that's what we got in-, in... They're still a territory or whatever, right? Isn't the queen still their queen? They still love the queen. And uh, here's the thing. The queen's been dead for five years. That's no. my conspiracy theory that I'm Eric, using. much like you naming a robot Omicron, this is not going to age well. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay with that. That's totally fine. Okay, so this is what we're doing here. So we're going to play a small campaign of Monster of the Week. It is going to be set at a summer camp, which we are going to talk about for the rest of this episode here. Um, we are going to come back to Dungeons & Dragons uh, after we do this. Don't worry, everyone who likes that game only but we wanted to you know truly we're, we're learning archery at summer camp and we're taking <laughs> that time julia you want to say what the name of this campaign is called it's the camp pain <laughs> streamers are coming down <laughs> confetti cannon when julia came up with that a confetti cannon somewhere went off yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was in my brain my brain all of a sudden <laughs> was just full of confetti for days as it should be Julie's officially earned her keep. She has to no longer do any work for us. She's Yay. done. <laughs> uh, Julia, nothing says Brandon says is law is is bound <laughs> is bound by anything. You still need to do work. Damn nothing I say is canon. <laughs> yeah, Brandon's asleep right now. He's actually sleep talking, so that doesn't count. That's true. Oh my gosh, what happens if you sleepwalk at camp? Do you like step on frogs and like go to the get wet in the lake and stuff? Yeah, then everyone else has a really good story that they tell wow. for the rest of their life. Gosh. <laughs> You you always are the girl who stepped on a frog. <laughs> yeah, you, oh, yeah, you're that girl who, who stepped on a frog while you were sleepwalking. It's very funny. So, yeah, we're going to do this set at a summer camp. We're very excited about this. The beginning of this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about what the difference between Dungeons & Dragons and Monster of the Week is and how that's going to kind of touch the what we're doing here and how we're going to be playing the rest of this game and then we're going to be doing a world building game that i came up with to kind of flesh out our summer camp here yay yeah can't wait yeah. and as julia said if you don't know how to play monster of the week don't worry about it we're gonna teach you yeah mm -hmm. 
Join the Party is extremely devoted to the thing that we always did, which is teaching you how to play a game when other people don't have the time to teach you how to play said game. <laughs> okay, so uh, Monster of the Week is a standalone action horror RPG for three to five people. This is actually from the product description of uh, Monster of the Week, so it's kind of interesting how they message it. Hunt high school beasties a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer, travel the country to bring down unnatural creatures like the Winchester Brothers in Supernatural, or head up the government in investigation like Mulder and Scully. So if you are making a comparison between the kinds of media that Dungeons and Dragons and Monster of the Week might be, D&D is a fantasy novel. It is Lord of the Rings, right? You go on a big journey. You are fighting things. You are like all tactically working together as almost, I mean, remember this used to be a war game where you're defeating monsters and you have, you get weapons and all that cool stuff. While Monster of the Week is inspired by these Monster of the Week shows that you might know, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, or The X-Files. And Lost Girl, everyone's favorite queer Canadian <laughs> drama. For the, like, 100,000 people out there who have watched Lost Girl, which is not a lot. <laughs> I do not know any better Canadian queer monster-based show that came out regularly that also Multitude made a podcast about. It's true. I don't know. I don't know. It's true. Checks all the boxes. <laughs> I think the the main thing you need to remember is that while D&D is governed kind of by quests, like in The Witcher or in your favorite fantasy novel, Monster of the Week is governed by mysteries. So it all revolves around the players figuring out the mystery, what's going on with this monster in this particular time frame. Uh, a lot of Monster of the Week is kind of dictated by like what time it is outside in the way that like the monster and the mystery progresses regardless of what you're doing. You just need to track it down and then you need to figure out what to do with that monster in the end and like kill it. Yeah. Like monster hunters do, but like do something about it and try to like get it out of the place where it is. You know, you've all, we've X-Files, Supernatural, Buffy, and the, the episode happens, they do something about the monster and then you go on to the next one. Colloquially, if I'm correct, I think in TV terms, the Monster of the Week episodes are the ones that are like the in-between episodes that aren't serialized story arcs. So they're the ones that like are one-off episodes where Dean and Sam go hunt down a vampire. And then it's just all contained in that one episode, right? Right. So that idea definitely will help like the way that you all play. But there's obviously like... There are still messaging like themes of larger arcs here, and there is going to be a larger arc here, but I wouldn't want to do, I, you know, after a while you end up being like episode, season four of Buffy, where Buffy died for the fifth time, and Buffy's upset that she got taken. No, season four is when she goes to college. Season five is when she is upset that she got pulled out of heaven. So, you know, it kind of gets to a point where you need to wrap it up. Yeah. So, yeah, all the players are monster hunters. Uh, you are hunters who have devoted their lives to killing monsters. We're going to change this a little bit because it's going to be a summer camp. Uh, we're going to get there in later episodes as we talk about it. I'm playing the Keeper, as in the Keeper of Monsters and Mysteries. The Keeper is in charge of designing the monsters and mysteries that the hunters will encounter, bringing the world to life, and portraying the monsters and the people the, human, the hunters meet. The rest of you will decide how the hunters work together to investigate the weird situations they find, slay the monsters, causing the trouble and save the people in danger. 
Your hunters are not normal people, not even normal for monster hunters. You are the ones who stand out. You're larger than life, twice as badass. This was written in the 2010s when badass was a really good adjective. You can change the world, save it, destroy it, or alter it forever. One way or another, you will make a difference. The hunters here are very much our main characters in a way that, similar to D&D and and the way that the player characters are always going to be like heroic, but um, not that you're more than human, you're just very important and you will do action-packed things as you all act. We super cool. We just the coolest, baby. You have to be the coolest. Amanda, are you going to be cool? It's it's why everyone plays RPGs, to be cool. (laughs) For once, here. In this universe. In this, in this specific one. What I really also like about Monster of the Week is that they have an agenda for players In uh, that I can tell you. Uh, when you're playing a hunter, act like you're a hero in the story, because you are. Make your own destiny. Find the damn monsters and stop them. And play your hunter like they're a real person. Think like your hunter would think. Do what your hunter would do. Very cool. Nice. My hunter's hungry. Go well, eat then you're going to spend a lot of time eating, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon's hunting monsters just to eat them at the mess hall. <laughs> a really interesting thing about this is that the fighting sequences is that it's a lot more fluid and you will be putting yourself in harm's way. And we're going to talk about this later. If for those of you who don't know how much of the week works, you like you don't stop and go to initiative. You kind of just do different things. But monsters are a lot harder to kill than humans. Even like the little minions that go along with the super the larger supernatural creatures are very difficult to fight. But of course, monsters have weaknesses and they can be defeated once you figure out those weaknesses. If only we had a podcast that demonstrated that monsters have weaknesses and ways to defeat them and stuff like that. Hmm. So there's going to be a lot of like figuring things out, figuring out the monster's weaknesses and then confronting it, but also not dying. Like if you take damage, it's going to be a lot easier for your character to die if you like you can't just run in with an axe over your head and you're going to swing down on it. You need to figure out plans and strategies, and I think that's going to be a lot more of this kind of this kind of game, which I think is going to be really fun. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> you can die if you want. I don't think it'll be a choice. I think a lot like the Monster of the Week media that we all enjoy a lot. You are rarely kind of like PvP with the monster. You know, like you you're not going to just kind of go up to it and do hand to hand combat. You're going to figure out how to entrap it or use its weakness against them, or you know, from behind a tree or a building or a car, figure out how to take them down. Absolutely. Specifically about this game, because it's outside, we're using the Powered by the Apocalypse system in that we use uh, just two six-sided die for you to roll at all times. You do 2d6, and then you add your various stats. There are five stats, cool, tough, charm, sharp, and weird. And then according to that, we're going to figure out what's happening. 10 plus is a very good success. 9 to 7 is kind of like a mixed success or a success, a limited success. And then 6 or less, uh, you're going to have a problem. And I'm going to do something to ruin your day. Eric, can I make one request? That you uh, roll better with a D6 system? <laughs> that Okay, can I make two requests? <laughs> okay, cool. Great. Can we make 10 or higher? A great success. Great success, my wife. I will say that I think 12 is a crit. If you roll two sixes, then it's like extremely, extremely good. Cool. Uh, the pluses and minuses are going to be like minus one all the way to plus three if you're very, very good at something. And we're going to go into that more when we look at our character sheets and what y'all are doing. Okay. Um, if, if triple six is the devil's number, is double six the devil's titties? <laughs> And therefore, Amanda, great. Yes, 100%. 
I'm with you. Brandon and Eric had their little fucking Borat joke or whatever the fuck. But you got you got two monster queers on the show with you, and Julia and I have to bring that. This energy. is why we're it's doing true. this. This is why we're playing Monster of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was literally. If I had to guess, that would have been the last thing I would have ever get. If you had a thousand million monkeys in a room <laughs> with typewriters. I want to say that, like, we fucked around for, like, 10 minutes before we started actually recording. Because, like, I don't know how to start a campaign again. I start the last campaign that we started was before the pandemic started. So I'm just like, I guess we'll begin. <laughs> Let's just talk about stuff. Uh, so all of this is on the table. I think the only other thing that we need to talk about here is that this game, although we do this in Dungeons & Dragons, Monster of the Week is a lot more of a conversation between the hunters and the keeper. In that, like, there are moves you do. You don't just, like, try to roll the specific things that are on your character sheet. It's a lot more of you exploring the space and then us figuring out together what exactly you're doing. So this is an example from the book. So you do things called moves, which kind of, like, instigate the dice rolls, right? Tabletop RPG is storytelling plus dice rolls equal fun, right? But if you want to do something that's like, quote unquote, superhuman, you have to roll dice for it. Everything else we can kind of like negotiate and figure out. A key element, this is from the text, a key element of the use of moves is that, quote, you have to make the move. If you want to, for instance, manipulate someone in the game, you have to describe your hunter doing that. How do you ask? What do you offer to make them do what you want? Why would they believe your offer is genuine? I think that a lot of this stuff, and we end up doing this on this show when I ask you like what does this look like or what are you doing but i think that like i wouldn't necessarily call for a role here unless you did get to a point where you would be persuading right like you don't lead with the persuasion check you need to do the persuading and then you do uh the move which is called manipulate someone which is the that particular one so here's a really good example of this there's a move called kick some ass, which is explicitly about fighting, right? It's like, I want to punch, you're going to do kick some ass. But you need to explain what it is you're going to do. If you're running in and you're like, I'm going to run at the vampire so that uh, Mr. McGregor doesn't get hurt, right? It's like, well, there is another move that's called protect someone. Right. So you would rather do that instead. Only if you are explicitly like fighting, do you use the move kick some ass. There's also more of a general move called act under pressure was that if it doesn't fit any of the other ones, you do an act under pressure move, which is kind of just like an action move. It's the action button, if you will. So they're almost like describing your actions as opposed to sort of like instigating your action actions yeah describe your action or do your action and then i will tell you what move it is but if you want to change it because your stats are specific to one thing then we'll be like well how do you how can we negotiate this so it fits your move oh cool um these are also general hunter moves these are things that all of you get to do and then there are specific moves for classes where like if you want to in make sure that one of your moves like pops off you need to put yourself in that specific situation and we're going to like have a conversation and narrate how you get there cool which will be very fun so we ended up doing a lot of this anyway and inserting this into Dungeons and dragons but it is kind of like explicitly baked into this game which is why i also kind of i want to get away from wizard of the coast academy where i spend all my school days and i get bullied so <laughs> <laughs> so it's like all the good shit that we already do from DD, but baked into the game this time Exactly. Hell yeah. And you don't have to buy a D20. You can just use uh, two regular dice. You can go into like a Yahtzee or Candyland or whatever you use and just grab two D6, you know? Yeah. 
But I think that let's go into the world building here. We are going to do a summer camp. Uh, I want all of us to kind of be on the same page of what themes we're talking about when we're talking about a summer camp. Because sometimes we say things about Long Island and then Brenda does not know what we're talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> I would love it if we all went around and shared our experiences with what we understand of summer camp, both from personal experience and pop culture. Gulia, well, tell me about your experience with summer camp. So I only did like one year of sleepaway summer camp, which was a Girl Scout sleepaway summer camp that Hell Amanda yeah. attended for one day and then had the flu and had to leave. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's true. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. I attended long enough for some older kids to teach us what sex was. That's true. That's what camps for, baby. They demonstrated <laughs> yep. with a stuffed dog and a stuffed cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the dog's tail was the penis. <laughs> Both of us were there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which of you, uh, which of you are the dog, and which of you are the cat? <laughs> so that's my only like real experience with that. I remember having to test for how good a swimmer I was, and there was camp songs, and the different cabins were like port and starboard. I think <laughs> love that. And yeah, so that I had like very limited like sleepaway camp experience. A lot of the camp experience that I had throughout my life was more day camp stuff, like not daycare, but for, you know, uh, the summer, more like I did a lot of science camp. Sure. Yeah. That's fun. It was fun. We had a, it was a good time. Like space camp. Yeah, I didn't do space camp, but I did like learn how to actually there might have been a space camp element there because I remember like how to build a rocket and then launching the rocket and that kind of thing. That's fun. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. All right. Brandon, what about you? Do they have camp in not the Northeast? Uh, Yeah. They have a lot of camps. Um, <laughs> I did one year of sleepaway camp. So it was just sort of like a lot of crafts. I remember making like a out of plastic threads, like a little keychain bobble thing. Classic. Yeah. And what else did we do? I remember a pillow fight, like a cabin pillow fight that we had. Ooh. Sounds about right. Yeah. And I don't think we actually did any pranks, but we definitely talked about doing pranks. <laughs> That's half the fun is just talking about the pranks. So you almost, you were like 95% of the way there. Yeah. So I, I remember as a, you know, as a young kid with anxiety, it was both fun because of all the cool activities I got to do, but also the social aspect of it was rough. Mm. But I also was in Boy Scouts for many years. And so I did a lot of like, sort of like that day activity that Julie described of like archery and whittling. And we did a lot of camping and cooking burger patties and foil and that kind of stuff, you know, for sure. I was mostly conscripted into childcare in my summers as a kid myself. I did serve as a, a CIT, a counselor in training, at the day camp by my house, which they ran in the elementary school, but just during the day. So I, like, you know, babysat other kids for no wages, by the way, <laughs> except for <laughs> tips that some parents, like, gave you $10 at the end of the summer. So I I ran, you know, a, a day camp for kids in that way. But I was always so jealous of all of my friends who went to, like, four or six or eight weeks of sleepaway camp. And people would come home with, like, camp boyfriends or girlfriends. They would <laughs> – it felt like they all had kind of camp sonas. And, like, the streams never crossed. I never met any of my friends' camp friends. And it felt like such a sort of – of exciting and like 
in the way that when you go away to college, you can kind of reinvent yourself or like go by a totally. new name, you know, or like not Definitely. talk about the niche you were in in high school. That was always the fantasy to me of like, gosh, I, I wish I had that chance. And all like, I have no idea who my friends are when they're at camp. Similarly, the city that Lake Town City is based on, the sort of like Adirondack area where my grandparents live and where Eric and I go on vacation, had a sleepaway camp on an island in the middle of a lake. And it was just a bucolic, like, nature sleepaway camp for kids. And you got there on a boat, and we would occasionally, like, drive past it. I could see it on the horizon and be like, oh, man, if only I got to go to sleepaway camp (laughs) that I could only get to by a boat. So (laughs) that's my, like, uh, face against the window sort of yearning experiences of camp. I love That's really good. Oh, one important point I forgot is that my camp was definitely a Christian camp. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Brandon, that's a perfect transition considering how I went to Jewish sleepaway camp for 14 years. <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I did the full Monty from eight years old until I think I was 22. I went to this sleepaway camp, a Jewish sleepaway camp up in, in like the woods of Ontario, Canada. That's uh, awesome. So I met a lot of kids from like Ohio and Michigan and Pittsburgh and Toronto and Ottawa. My camp was part of a like a network of summer camps and like that was the the area in which they pulled people from uh was like that whole area of the Midwest and and in the north. Ah, the Rust Belt. Nothing like it. No. Then there are a few Jews there and they all went to that camp. I was going to say it was like a thing of like you actually have other people who are also Jewish in the United States. For, you can definitely hang out. for some. My dad went there because he grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Um, and there are no Jews there anymore. But there used to be. So, like, I think for the kids in, like, Toledo and in other places, that was definitely important. But there are always Jews in, like, cities. There was a one summer camp that was just for, like, the people who lived in, like, the New York, Connecticut, New Jersey tri-state area, which I didn't go to because that's not the one that my dad went to. So I just thought that was very funny. Yeah, it was very much a very wide reach of that whole northern part of the United States and of and of Canada. I spent a lot of time out there. I made a lot of friends. The Camp Sona is 100% true, especially because, like, literally I would go, like, 10 hours away for in the summer for four and then quickly eight weeks. I was also a summer camp counselor for a very long time. I was a summer camp counselor for 15 year olds and 16 year old my entire time i think that our summer camp was pretty old it was what i what i realized like some most camps ended around 14 um but 15 and 16 was kind of like the age that i did (laughs) i'm just imagining driving to summer camp myself but it's very funny (laughs) it was my brother and i we would drive from new york to toronto like over the summer well yeah but you were the counselor It's it's truly wild to me that you went to another country to go to summer camp Mm -hmm. yeah uh, I also want to say, Brandon, to your point, my dad would drive us and then we would plug our GameCube into like the yellow, red and white wires into the car and we would play like Super Smash Bros. Melee on the tiny screen that would pop up in the back. I have very fond memories of that GameCube getting incredibly hot as like <laughs> we we would be on the car. There was a ferry that would go across like one of the Great Lakes if you drove to a specific place and then that went to Toronto. I specifically remember playing my GameCube <laughs> while on a giant car, in a car ferry. on a ferry, on a car on a ferry. Yes, and a lot, yeah, lots of pranks, lots of running around. Uh, we also, it was like really was in the middle of nowhere. So I saw a lot of bears and moose, especially when we would go on uh, camping trips. Cool, which would be for like a week at a time. It was pretty wild. 
I have yet to see a bear in real life. I would like to. Yeah, I, Brandon, I've been five feet away from a bear. That's too close. It's too stinky. There are two animals in this world that I want to hug. Yeah. And we'll never get to. Yeah. And they are bear and tiger. Yeah. <laughs> But Brandon, here's the thing: both of them very dangerous. <laughs> I, that's very what I'm saying. I love bears. Bears are my favorite animal, but I still do not want to get close to a bear. A bear wants to eat your face. I want to snuggle though. I and same, but also then your face would get eaten. That's yeah. why we all have to, as our next Patreon reward, buy those Snorlaxes that are dog beds. Yeah, <laughs> I just want a person size one. Fuck the dog. <laughs> it's a big dog bed, so I think it's about a Julia-sized bed. There you go. A Julia-sized bed. Is Julia, when you say your height, do you just say, like, dog height? Yeah, dog on back legs, my height. Yeah. I, I'm taking out my conversion chart right now, and large dog equals one Julia. <laughs> All right, so do you got, you want to get to your world, our world-building game here? Let's do, I do. it. For our world-building game, uh, I've kind of rejiggered the stuff that we did with RBG City Planner, uh, which we used to birth Lake Town City, but now we're going to figure out our summer camp here. I've taken parts, uh, RBG City Planner, which is a hack of uh, The Quiet Year uh, by Avery Alder, and I've also combined parts of I'm Sorry, Did You Say Street Magic? <laughs> by Caro Assertion, um, which is has the best title at all of tabletop RPGs. Congratulations. Truly. Incredible. So we're gonna we're going to like kind of figure out the larger themes and ideas of our camp, um, and then we're gonna get into the question, the rolling on a table of questions like we we do before. Oh, and also we're gonna do what we usually do. We're gonna go around in a circle. When it is your turn, you are the one who gets to like answer the question. But of course, everyone gets to contribute and see what happens here. Cool. All right. So let's assume that we're at a standard summer camp with standard buildings, kind of a, as our basic building block here. Like unlike a city, which can be anything, there's usually the same stuff at a summer camp, right? There are cabins for, if it's sleepaway, which I think we're going to do for girls and boys. There's like a girls hill and a boys hill. There is a nurse's office. There's a mess hall. There's a place where the staff hang out. There's a basketball court, et cetera, et cetera, right? But the first part about creating our camp is establishing the tone, the color and texture of the setting that we're going to explore. As a group, we're going to decide on three adjectives that will set the mood of our camp. I have a list that we're going to start with here, mm. and we can uh, pick at least one from this list, but we can we don't have to limit ourselves just to the option. Here are some ones to start with. Ageless, bright, warm, spooky, elegant, drowsy, adventurous, intense, memorable, magnetic, overwhelming, tense, freewheeling, loud, innocent, new, faded, volatile, vivid, tranquil, sprawling, creaky, eclectic, gritty, and grand. Again, we can we can add on to this list, but I do think we should start with one from the list and go from there. But like, what do we? What if you were going to describe this summer camp? What, what adjectives would you use to describe being there, the people there, the experience of it? Maybe we can even look at think about this like we are now, uh, like looking back at our times at these summer camps. Uh, let's pick some adjectives. Hmm, I'm immediately drawn to couple of them but i think adventurous would be fun in that like we could make this summer camp be like the purpose of it is to like build you as a person right so like you know round you out learn a bunch of new skills challenge yourself in a way that you haven't you can't do in like your normal everyday city life kind of thing that could be fun yeah yeah grand stood out to me for the same reason i, I like the idea that it's sort of a place for adventure mm. 
Adventurous and grand are very good. Grand also means that there's like a lot of big and cool buildings. And also adventurous to me, Brandon, means that like there's not a lot of oversight. Oh, completely. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of like you getting into trouble mm-hmm. without anyone seeing you get into trouble. That's the point. You got to get in trouble so you can, you know, learn to fail and get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a safe environment. I really like that. I'm drawn to either like faded or creaky because Mm. I like this idea of it being like probably the brochure for this place is like, come on down, teach your child how to be adventurous and blah, 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 blah. And it's like way past its prime. Mm. (laughs) Do we think it's been here since like the 1940s and 50s where it was like, I don't know, well round your kid, you know, and now it's like... Half your child forget about the war. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I thought Ageless 2 jumped out at me, not in the sense that it's like perfectly preserved, like where, you know, Steve Rogers or something, but that it's as if it could be, you know, 1940 as you're in the camp. And partly because, you know, many camps, no cell phones. And I think that that really puts you in a different frame of mind, but especially coming out of Lake Town City where so much is about technology and how we change the environment, I sort of love a, like, analog idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wonder, when I'm looking at Ageless, Kirky, and Grand, I feel like two out of three of those fit together. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, like, we're using Adventurous, then we got to pick one out of, because I think Adventurous stands. But I feel like Ageless and Creaky and Grand, like, something about those conflict. Is there or is there another word that like encapsulates both ageless and grand or do we want to do creaky? I'd also be down for adventurous and creaky because that kind of means like, I don't know, the camp's there, like figure it out. And sort of like the the sense of sort of seeing a seasonal house just after the end of winter is something that I have done a lot of where you walk in and it's like, wow, it's fully 30 degrees in here and like the weather, <laughs> like the wood's been really beaten and there's no heating or insulation because it's just for the summer. That really says creaky to me. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, should we cut grand then? I'm fine with that. I think ageless touches grand in a different way, which fits with creaky. I'm worried that grand and creaky like are conflicting. I don't think so. Like I'm picturing almost like a almost like gothic horror, you know, where you have this old grand building that has not stood the test of time. So like, yes, these buildings are grand, but they're also like peeling and falling apart. Okay, I understand now. Uh, there are lots of places in the, as Amanda said, in upstate New York, like in the Borscht Belt, where that used to be, they're all still like the, what would you call them? Because like the they're grand country- old hotels. Yeah, they're yeah. not like country clubs. Summer resorts. They're like, yeah, they're like weird resorts that were very popular in the 50s that are still there but haven't been updated at all since the 50s. Did I go there for key club executive leadership summits in high school? I bet you sure did. did. Yes, <laughs> did we sleep in sleeping bags on top of beds because they were so gross? I sure did. <laughs> It's so it's funny to me that you guys have that that reference because for me grand is like in the south it's more like they're not like country club style buildings they're more like huge beautiful log cabin style buildings you know mm. where it's like the same idea exactly the same idea of what you're describing but like it's this like um, vibe of we are maintaining old history you know like almost like the Alamo kind of thing you know. I do like that in terms of a summer camp. I always feel like if something is made out of metal in a summer camp, it's like new, the new building. (laughs) And like the real buildings are the ones that are made out of wood, like you're saying, Brandon. Yeah, like the quote unquote real 
buildings. Yeah, yeah, like all of the buildings or like all of the cabins that I'm envisioning are like made out of wood with like mm-hmm. a tin roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. all of them have like the same red tin roof. But like there was a new building, like they had a new office building and that was the one that stood out. Like it was just like an office building and that's where like the admins work. So I think that that's how adventurous and creaky and grand fit together. I like that. I wanted to, I, I think that those three definitely fit together. I think like uh, going off Julia, like American Gothic is kind of the vibe. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Which is cool. This is actually going to help us because we are going to have a, a very small conversation about what themes we're touching here about a big picture ideas. What does the landscape look like? What time do you want this to be set in? Is this based off of real life or uh, a real time or real life or something stranger and more speculative? Do ghosts exist? Do our ghosts just around? Do robots exist? Do talking animals exist? What do we want to do here? I think American Gothic is exactly on the nose of what we're talking about. Kind of like this timeless America. I really don't want there to be computers. There is a thing in my time, in in my head, of like 2007, 2009, like before the first iPhone came. Like you had a flip phone and maybe a Game Boy. But like you're right on the money. 2005 is a great sort of compromise period. But like you had to give in your cell phone and it was easy and fine to do because you just shouldn't be like texting when it's like a dollar SMSs. Yeah. Yeah, like a dollar a text in the middle of nowhere and like I don't want it to be 2005 I just want that technological vibe to be yeah. right. 2005 like it should be any any age well I am a sucker for a magic system that conflicts with technology and magic systems that have to kind of reckon with the presence of that and so maybe everyone has found that technology just doesn't work all that well and so the camp you know like a place has a generator if the power grid isn't that reliable maybe the camp does rely on the landline or they have a telegraph or they have a, you know, a a satellite phone when they need it because stuff doesn't really work that well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to be like, hey, in this very rural location, your cell phones don't work. Yes, Mm -hmm. agreed. I think regardless of the time that we choose, there are a lot of really real reasons why tech wouldn't work that well. And maybe the camp doesn't make it a huge part of daily life. I love that. As a second option, I'm also totally down to like do like mid 1970s. I love the sort of dichotomy of like, a camp that was founded in 1940, 1950, and then when you go just 20 years later to the 70s, like, the camp can still exist, but the culture has changed so drastically in those 25 years. But, yeah, that's just another another option. I think that's super interesting because then you kind of put yourself in the beginning slash height of the kind of slasher at the camp counselor genre. That's true, yeah. yeah. Which I don't know if that's the direction that we want to go in necessarily to go kind of Friday the 13th, but that does provide that option, I guess. All I want to do, I don't want to put a date on this. Mm -hmm. I think that all those vibes are 100% on the money. Mm -hmm. I just never want to say what date it is. And I never want there to be, like, we can choose, if we want to make references or do whatever reference we want, I just never want to be like, oh, fuck, did this come... Did Sputnik happen yet? Fuck. Yeah. Like I, that's that's all I want, and I think that we can encapsulate all that. I love that. I mean, I would love a a, a fourteen year old boy wearing fucking like multicolored tank top and short shorts with a Game Boy. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. that's any time. That's any time. Hey, it's Eric. 
I did not do the mid-roll for a little while because I was out uh, and I was at my bachelor party. So my recommendation for the mid-roll is having very good friends who care about you and know exactly what it is that you like to have a good time. And then we'll kind of like do a bunch of planning to execute on that. So Hetty, Nara, Kenny, Jeff, Tyler, I really appreciate all of you. You're the best. I hope you're listening to this podcast, but I don't I don't know if you necessarily are, but that's okay. Welcome to the mid-roll. I ate so much locks over the last few days. First and foremost, thank you to all of our newest patrons, Monica, Becca, and Scott and Rude Zuka. Welcome, welcome. We hope you've been enjoying your benefits like our patron-only Discord, our merch discounts, party planning, which comes out every other week, our other bonus episodes that are already on the RSS feed, our blooper reels, and much, much more. There also may or may not be some cool merch coming your way in the next few weeks, so this is a great week to sign up and get access to that special discounted patron merch portal before that big day. Join us at patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. We are also excited to be starting the summer camp pain. Here's the scheduling reminder that you need. You're getting three story episodes over the next three weeks. Then we're going to have an after party all about this world building episode and the beginning of the story. This is also a great time for new people to join the show, especially if they don't want to consume content about the dragon game and you want to tell them about a different game. So if you have friends who you've been dying to get in to join the party or coworkers or family members or like crushes that's worked a lot people have talked about joining the party on dates and it has worked a hundred out of a hundred times send them the link to join the party slash start that is join the party slash start I also got to tell you about all the cool stuff that we're doing here at Multitude. You know all about the Multicrew, which is our membership program that supports all of Multitude to try new things, launch new shows, and keep the independent podcast engine going. But did you know about our newest exclusive perk for Multicrew members? It is our brand new Multicrew Pen Pal Exchange. Are you looking to make new friends and connect with others? You want to bust out that pen and paper? Or maybe you're in the market for a virtual buddy to brighten up your email inbox. Whatever it is you're looking for, we want to make that happen. This is a perk for every multi-crew member to use regardless of the tier. You will be paired with a hand-picked pal and fellow multi-crew member based on your interest, your location, availability, and most importantly, your taste in shows. Join the multi-crew for as little as $5 a month at multicrew.club and get signed up for a pen pal exchange right now. Meow. We are sponsored by NordVPN. It is an easy-to-use VPN that lets you browse the internet safely and freely. You connect with just one click or enable auto-connect for a zero-click protection. They have more than 5,000 servers in 60 countries, so you can either find a server near you for better speed or connect to a faraway location to freely explore the internet. Maybe, I don't know, there's some sort of thing that locks things towards specific countries that you're from and changes the content accordingly. Maybe you want to access that. I wouldn't know what that was. I'm making up a hypothetical, and hypothetically, NordVPN can help you with that. It's the fastest VPN out there and works on every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, 
Galaxitron, macOS, and Linux, and I only made up one of those things. Even your Android TV supports NordVPN. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to Nord, NordVPN.com slash join the party to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN. We are also sponsored by Squarespace. It is the super-to-use and beautiful tool for building your brand and growing your business online. You might have heard a kajillion Squarespace ads if you've been into podcasting. Or maybe you just follow the uh, New York Knicks and you think that that image is fun when it's on top of the backboard or it's on their jersey. But I'll tell you right now, I've been using Squarespace for years to run various businesses like uh, the Join the Party website. And also when I had to build a website for my personal stuff or for uh, What's Your Favorite Pokemon? And then I say something nice about you with Patasane R.I.P., I went to Squarespace because it was easy to do and looks really pretty. They have beautiful custom templates, easy to use SEO tools, and online stores if you want to get on that physical or digital product sale. If you're launching a podcast, a brand, a business, or anything else, let Squarespace be your toolkit. Go to squarespace.com slash join the party for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code join the party to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Finally, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. BetterHelp Online Therapy offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, a real live sanctioned therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't have to. Here's what's wild. Again, real therapist, not a fake therapist, but it's still way more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, and you can also switch therapists, which is the hardest thing to do, finding a therapist who's right for you. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Join the Party listeners can get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Join the Party. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Join the Party. Bone Witch. And now, back to the show. Hell yes. Okay, I feel like good. I, in terms of the weirdness and of ghosts and robots and talking animals, I think that we, American Gothic is on the money. We are playing a Monster of the Week game, so there is going to be some weirdness, but I think it will find us as we play. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Here's one little note here. Uh, you might have noticed that I did not ask you what the name of the camp is. This is intentional. At any point, if anyone feels moved, you we can name the camp. But I think that as long as we do it sometime before we end here, we'll figure it out. All right. So only when you feel inspired by maybe what we do here. Anytime, if someone has an idea, I'll write it down, and then we can make sure that by the time by the time we end, we'll have a name. But I'm not never going to call for what the name of the summer camp is going to be. Okay. I just want to put this out here for the world to know about me is I did write a short story in 
second grade, third grade maybe. Hell yes. That I sold to my classmates and it was a ripoff of a Goosebumps book that I called Welcome to Camp Die. So we could just call <laughs> it Camp Die. Great. I'm going to write down Camp Die. How do you spell that? D-I-E, like death. <laughs> Wonderful. Great. I'm going to write that down as a possibility. I mean, that can definitely be the nickname of the camp. We can figure out how to shorten it. The double entendre with, with a D6 is uh, is excellent, too. That's incredible. All right. Eric, I sent you a Slack message. Oh, Amanda showed me two sixes as the devil's titties. Thank you for sending me that photo. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. You got it. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So we're going to go into some questions here. Uh, does everyone have their D6? Yep. Yes. yes. All right. Uh, let's all roll to see who goes first. Devil's tit. Six. <gasps> we all got sixes? Oh, my God. Wait, really? Yeah. I, what? I rolled a two. Uh, so I'm gonna go first. Hey! <laughs> so we are we are the triumvirate of the devil's number. Us combined <gasps> makes the devil. Mm. This is good energy going into this campaign. I love it. Two that Eric rolls times three players equals a crit. What? And what is this? This is the Declaration of Independence. It's right here. <laughs> Eric, quick, squeeze lemon juice on a historical document. <laughs> oh my eyes! I squeeze into my own eyes. Oh, wow! No. I was wearing big glasses. Glasses. Oh, I called him Ben Glasses. His name is Ben Franklin. <laughs> no, his, his name, name is Ben Glasses now. His name is Ben Glasses. Camp Ben Glasses. It's <laughs> pretty good. Be Benjamin Bifocals, our founding <laughs> father. Um, I'll go first, and then we'll go Julia, Brandon, Amanda, uh, in the order that we told our, our camp stories. So here's what we're going to do. I have six questions over three tables. Uh, the first table is called the space. We're going to talk about the things that are in the camp. The second is called the new changes. Uh, and the third is called the stories about more specific things that have happened uh, that you would tell stories about or people in the actual camp. Each of us are going to go around. We're going to do four questions from each table, and I'm going to write them down. And then we're going to kind of use all of this to build our camp out. And, of course, whenever you have an idea for a name, just say it when you feel moved. All right. I'm going to roll first. Hell yes. I got a five. What represents the boundaries of the camp? Is there a fence or a wall? Are there landmarks that divide it or a combo of both? This is very interesting for me because in my summer camp, because it was a Jewish summer camp, there was a rope that went all the way around the camp because it's like there are some Shabbat rules about like being able to carry things on Shabbat. Basically, you know, the whole work that's revolved around that. You also like can't carry that counts as work. So like there are stories of people like as soon as it becomes sundown on Friday night where they park their car, put their wallet and their keys like in their wheel well and then walk home from wherever they are. So if you put a rope all the way around the camp, it kind of counted it as, as its own building. It's like one of those like life hacks <laughs> that you figure out when you're into religion. Um, so I really thought that there was always a very like plausible boundary to the camp. Also, there was a lake. There was a lake in the camp, so that was kind of like always the the thing at the end. I think that the boundary of the camp are one at the front is there's a highway that kind of leads into the camp and then you turns right. So like there is literally a boundary of a highway. Like if you reach the street, you're kind of like at the end and that might be like where the front gate is or if there is like an actual fence. I wonder if there is an actual lake as well. And then there's like 
there are woods, but there's a stone wall in the woods that is just like truly no one knows where it came from. And that is like the de facto I love that. boundary of the camp. I was also exactly thinking those like dilapidated stone walls that like oh, yeah. farmers would use to mark the boundary of their farms. That's 100% exactly what I was picturing when you pulled up this question. I love that. When you're tilling soil and you come across a rock. Make a wall with that rock. Yeah. Easier than carrying it somewhere. <laughs> Maybe there's tons of like those little um like uh, hiker stone statue things around the wall. Oh, fucking. I know the word for these. Carns? Yes. Yeah, I remember there's like a whole system of communication between those two of like telling people like where to go. That like you got to turn left and turn right on them, which I just like activated in my brain. I know they're not spooky because of that exact stuff, but in my head, I call them witch towers because when there's lots of them, I feel like I'm in a witch's backyard. <laughs> the boxcar children use them to communicate with like the railway, you know, migratory people. That's wonderful. Okay, so I'm going to write highway in the front. Can we, though, on the highway, can we say it's like a farm to market road highway, like it's a country ass highway? Right. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't think it was like a like a four lane. I thought it was a just like a road. Like okay. it's the road that they still call the highway, cool. even though it's not true. It's definitely just like a road. In my camp, there was a you could see the road go up to the front gate and then like it took a hard left to go like around it. And I'm always just like, where does this go? Where does this street go? <laughs> It was called Fish Hatchery Lane because, like, there were there were a ton of fish hatcheries where, like, they grew fish. <laughs> and I'm just like, I guess that's all that's there, but you never knew where the road went. So I like the – there's, like, a road, like, a country road at the front. Fish trees is what happened in my brain. Fish trees. Fish <laughs> growing from trees. Love a, a, a stone wall of unknown provenance. A yeah. stone wall with cards. One of my favorite art pieces. A stone wall at Storm King in uh, in Westchester. So good. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also love it's just like it starts somewhere and it ends somewhere and it's like it wiggles and it's it's not straight. Oh, and, are are there uh, implications for the monsters we'll run into? Probably. Oh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I definitely want there to be a, a stone wall in the woods. All right, uh, Julia, go ahead. Roll roll a d6 for me. Bam. <laughs> I just there's a um sorry a National Geographic article about stacked stone statues. <laughs> it says call them carns, piled up rocks, or stone johnnies. <laughs> stone johnnies it is, Brandon. <laughs> stone johnnies. This is gonna be this the is exactly how Mount Lobster. Yeah, exactly how Mount Lobster. Stone johnnies it is. Thank you, Brandon. You get a hundred <laughs> points. I rolled a one. I am under, hold on, I'm underlining, italicizing, <laughs> and bolding stone johnnies. I'm also doing a strike through because it's spooky. I heard it's a one. Julia, you can have more providence for this because I did pull this. But is there a lake or is it a pool or something else? Describe the water with three adjectives. I like the idea with, of a lake for sure. Okay. But I also kind of like the idea of kind of like a natural spring oh i like that not necessarily yeah. a hot spring but like a like source of water for the area mm -hmm. uh, i'm thinking of like adjectives so i'm thinking of i, I don't want to like go right away like mysterious and magical but like you know that way when like sun hits moving water in such a way that it looks like a portal to another dimension dappled dappled yeah that's good I very much have memories of looking at the the lake near where I went to summer camp. Maybe the legend is that like the spring was discovered after someone did the um 
what are they called? The water finding sticks? Oh, the dousing rods. Yeah, dousing rods. Yeah. I like that. I wonder if it it isn't large. If it's a natural spring leading to something, maybe it's something like a swimming hole in that like, you know, where you go to like a quarry that was filled in with water and it's massive, but like relatively small. Like you can't kayak, but you definitely swim in it. So there's something about like a natural spring that flooded into a some sort of like pool. Yeah. And maybe it was an old quarry or whatever. Like there's the spring is up on a certain level and then there's like a stream or a waterfall that leads into this larger pool of water that the children use to swim. And it's clear as hell. Mm-hmm. Clear as hell. I like clear. Can it also be deep then? Yes. I was going to say, if it's very clear, I like the idea that the bottom seems very close, but it's actually much deeper than it is. Mm-hmm. It's a metaphor. It's a I metaphor. Also love, I love there being a natural waterfall because that's something, even if it's like tiny, it's like, yeah, my summer camp is waterfall. It's magical. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Truly. That's where that's where the kids go. They go behind the waterfall to kiss. <gasps> Brandon, you know for a fact they do. Yeah. And you definitely skinny dip in the quarry. Kissing under the in in the waterfall is a hundred percent something that counselors do all the time. I feel like I definitely have kissed under a waterfall. I haven't, but it, the memory is in my brain. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yes, I love that a lot. All right, so we got natural spring leading to a swimming hole of some other providence. There is a waterfall. Adjectives are dappled, clear, and deep. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, Frampton, what do you got? Peter Frampton. Oh, I also got a one shot roll. No, we'll just go. We'll go to the next one. Cool. Two. Brandon, can you describe the front gate? Oh, yeah, I can. And I will. And I'm about to do that. Whoa. <laughs> and, and it goes a little something like this. Hit As I'm it. talking right now. Um, I think the front gate is I'm stuck on this idea of the Alamo. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to the Alamo before in San Antonio. Can't no. say I have. It's like in Texas history, it's like this big um, event that's like super important and like super well respected and regarded and blah, blah, blah. It's all bullshit, of course. But when you go there as a kid, you hear these grand stories and you go there and it's just like this sad one side of the wall where it's like three bricks high and like it's the only thing remaining from the Alamo. <laughs> yeah. So in my head, maybe the front gate of the place was like an extant building. Maybe it was a farm, but like it was something that was like well known. Maybe that's what the camp is named after. But over time, it's just sort of like been worn down and there's just like some pillars. And then over the top of that, they built with wood uh, the actual like camp sign and everything. Eric and I just had ideas at the same time. You go first. No, you go first. Okay, I was thinking that the camp could be called the locks because it could be locks in interlocking river systems. They have a little kind of hut where the guard and the lock operator is. That's what Preserver's job was based on is a lock attendant um, where you have a little cabin and you live there with your dog all summer long and you help boats in and out. And maybe the river dried up or the quarry disrupted it or, you know, things moved. They didn't need it anymore. But that that could be a, a name and a sort of inspo. That's really interesting. I really like that. I also think... Brandon, when you said that there used to be a thing there that then became the front gate, I don't know if you've ever seen like an old covered bridge, Ooh. but the, if the gate was like a unused covered bridge oh, yeah. that then became the rest of the camp, like you literally need to drive through the covered bridge. And now it's been reinforced. I also think that now that Julia has introduced the natural spring, mm-hmm. like there's like a little bit of water, but there used to be a lot more 
and now whatever happened with the with the natural spring or whatever to go through. Like imagine driving through a covered bridge to get to summer camp, and like I love that screaming that and the, the being like a truly liminal space. Oh hell yeah, to go there. And maybe there's a legend that you have to like hold your breath as you go over the bridge. Yeah, yeah you hold your, your breath, feet. or you scroll. <laughs> you have to like scream the entire time. Like yes, a hundred percent. Fuck. Julia, what were you saying? No, I was. I had another name idea. I like Amanda's a lot, but I wanted to just say it for the record. Do it. Kind of going off what you said, Brandon, I like the idea of like Camp Diogenes, who is like a Greek philosopher, which we can shorten to Camp Die. And also <laughs> makes me think of like, before this was a camp, it was like some like spiritualist society or something like that in the middle of the woods. Ooh, that's good. Oh, yeah. So here's here's what I'm thinking, right? So like, mm-hmm. and Amanda just sent a photo of the covered bridge, which I love. So like, originally it was, it was this American, maybe like gold thing. Like maybe they thought there was gold there and it didn't pan out, right? Yeah. Or a quarry or whatever it is. And then uh, because there was infrastructure already there, once it was abandoned by the these gold miners, it was taken over by this like... um spiritualist people and now it's been converted into a camp i love that and i don't know if that's how you mine for gold but that would explain a quarry if we fudge the sort of industry of it all that's true that's true i'm very into that was diogenes the one who said that a chicken was a man because it had it stood up on two legs gosh i hope so i know (laughs) that he was like chief in creating cynicism as a philosophical concept incredible he was the i feel like he was the philosopher who was shit posting all the time yeah, Plato defined a human being as a featherless biped and was praised by a clever uh, the cleverness of the definition. And then Diogenes plucked a chicken, brought it to Plato's academy, and declared, Behold, Plato's human being! Yeah, Killer. I love that. Fuck That's yeah. great. It's even funnier remembering that like Plato was a fucking wrestler. He was like... <laughs> so he was Diogenes just shitposting this ripped man who is also <laughs> the smartest person in town. That's pretty good. Love it. I think in my head, though, the bridge, because it's been so long, it's so dilapidated that it's been built on top of. So it's like reinforced by like chain link and like, yeah, yeah, like new lumber and stuff. Oh, for sure. It's like there's definitely like a road that's now on the covered bridge, but the covered bridge still stands. Yeah. I love that. I'm also writing down Camp Diogenes. The image I shared was a restored covered bridge in Jay, New York. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. uh, It's like beautifully restored, but there are lots of non-restored ones that uh, feel dodgy to drive over. Mm. And I love the idea that like as you are, maybe it's fairly long, but as you're like entering the bridge and going along the bridge, there's like signs that are like almost there. Yeah. You're nearly to camp. (laughs) Keep going. May I suggest the Society of Diogenes? I like that. I love the idea of a cynical commune. So that was the name of the commune, and now it's just like shortened to Camp Die. Yeah. Camp Diogenes, Camp Die by the kids. That's very I good. I love that so much. We're going to keep the locks for something. No, I really like the locks, Amanda. The locks sounds like something. I don't know if it's the name of the camp, but it sure does feel like something that's in the middle of somewhere. Maybe that's like a bordering area or something like that where they take the kids when they actually want them to do like real tent camping. They take them mm. to the locks. Love that. That's a good idea. That yes. Yeah. There were definitely places like around the corner that we you that the younger kids would do like overnight camping that you could like canoe to or you could drive to. So it's entirely possible the locks is like a rental woods area that like someone has rented out to the camp. Mm. That's very cool. I just also wanna uh, every time I think of locks, I think of also like the chain link fences in France where you put the padlocks. So maybe there's some tradition 
when you go and you spend the night in the locks, you bring a padlock, you write your name on it. Oh, that's and like cool. I was here. Or that could be a kind of graduating camp tradition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's cool. I like that. Like, there were also, you would always put a padlock on your lockbox where, like, you kept, like, your personal stuff. So everyone would have at least one lock for sure. Yeah, so, like, right before you go home, you take your padlock off, and I yeah. love that. That's very cool. I rolled a two. A two. Uh, we're going to go to number three, then. Uh, what activity or building is in an incredibly inconvenient place? So remember, we're going with grand, creaky, and adventurous uh, as our adjectives. For example, the tennis courts that were installed in my summer camp was all the way up on the girls' hill, and then you had to go up two more hills, and it was like next to like the water treatment for the camp. Wow. And then there were just like, and then like, it was like at the top of this hill, and it was so hot, and had no tree coverage, because it was tennis courts, so it was like really in the middle of nowhere. There's like shaming people for actually wanting to play set tennis. Yeah, and so like, so you would see kids like walking with their tennis rackets like slung over their shoulders, back. like, ugh, I have to walk all the way up there. Well, I had a thing that I wanted to put on the map, so to speak, and I'm trying to think if this is the best place to do it. I think any camp worth its salt has some kind of summer show. They have some kind of pageant or thing that they put on for the parents or celebration for whatever holiday falls over the summer. And I really like the idea that there is a like half-height crawl space under the main sort of auditorium or assembly hall sure. where all of the like theater sets and costumes and props and also just like old, you know, gym supplies from, you know, some outdated sport that people used to use. Or 10 years ago, they replaced all the volleyballs and all the old squishy ones. They're like, ah, oh, they'll figure it out for the pageant and they'll throw it under there. In our high school, we called this the pit. And I would like to propose the pit having a sort of like an entrance that maybe it's like a cellar where you have to kind of open up cellar doors. Oh, yeah. But the cellar doors are like under some seats in the auditorium or they're like in the orchestra pit. They were like, like, it's just it's not easily accessible at all. And the crawl space is like maybe, you know, four foot ten. Yeah. Perfect for a small tight. child. Perfect for a small child. There are also plenty of plays and stuff, and, like, you do stuff for when for Parents' Day. Oh, yeah. And, like, when, when people come up. You could also just, like, make up a holiday being like, oh, it's Founders' Day or whatever. <laughs> Eric loves making up holidays <laughs> and is looking at me, like, angelically but also demonly. I do love making up holidays. You know I do. I know. Hell yes. All right, perfect. Yeah, I think so. I wrote theater and sports storage. It's like a cellar in a main auditorium, but then it leads to a crawl space. Yeah. It's like, how did they get some of this stuff in there? There's like a full set from Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat in there. Like, how did they get that in there? Yep. <laughs> ochre and ochre and ochre and ochre and ochre. <laughs> and blue and, and violet and ochre and ochre and ochre. All right, cool. Let's go to table two. These are the new changes. This is some new stuff that's happened uh, to the camp over the last few years. I'm going to roll to start. Uh, I got a two. A group explores more of the campgrounds and finds something that had been previously been overlooked. What is it? I'm going to officially put in the thing that we said about the locks. I think that they found that there were some truly abandoned campgrounds. Like there were fire pits that they didn't see. Or like, you know, I for those of you who go camping, you look for it's been maintained so that it's very flat. So that you can easily put down your tents and stuff. And maybe there's like... 
stumps that have been arranged in seating. They went on a hike just to like kind of the people who run the camp during the year went on a hike, found this spot, realized no one owned it. And then they're like, hey, we're going to do uh, did your overnights are going to happen here. So I think these, these are the locks because I think that there is a maybe there was a dried up. Uh, waterfall that was, was supposedly part of the spring, but it was locked up because of dams or whatever. So they call it the locks. Cool. And I think they, they've now the done this overnight tradition for the oldest campers, who I think might be like 13 or 14, depending on what age, that uh, like every cabin signs a lock and they put it in the lock. So there's, all, there's a few there, but it's kind of like seeding new traditions about like... I don't know how many cabins there are, but maybe there's like only six locks there because there was like boy, the boys' cabin and the girls' cabin for each of the last three summers have uh, have done this, and people are gonna keep doing this. Cool, love it. Into it. Hell yes. So I'm going to stem. I'm gonna write that. Maybe it's like a winter cross country skiing zone that isn't used by anybody in the summer. Hmm. Probably. Yeah. I also want this to be. Uh, this could be in any place. Like we should. I don't think we should think that this is in like the Northeast or wherever. It's just like somewhere in the United States. In insert my head. insert your pastoral summer landscape. Yeah. That's where it is. Yeah. Okay, Julia. Why don't you go ahead? Boop. A six. Six. Oh, the camp got a new attraction, and I put attraction with quotes. Uh, what is it now? Uh, specifically, an attraction would be something that's like. Very only for fun, for funsies. An example that I had is that it was a very big deal when the camp got a water trampoline. <laughs> the blob? We have to have that. Yeah, like, like the blob or something. So it's something that they got intentionally new. I love that. The first thing that popped into my head, and it's been kind of like scratching in the back of my brain, is you guys know... Adventure Park in New Jersey, mm-hmm. the like notoriously like the class action lawsuit park is what they call yes. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like some kind of ride from there. That's very good. And they like didn't tell anyone like, oh, hey, we've got this on sale from this terrible, awful. <laughs> they got <laughs> it for a dollar at an auction. Uh-huh. Well, Julia, isn't it? If there is a very deep pool, it has to be the loop de loop water slide, right? It sure does. Holy shit. Like it's a module in incredibly intense water slot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The loop-de-loop is notorious and hurt a lot of people, but I like the idea that it's like Lego blocks almost, that there were other ways to put the water slide together, only for incredibly dangerous means. Oh my god, why Why did anyone ever make this? This is so <laughs> dangerous! Well, especially if it drops off into an extraordinarily deep pool. You can't yeah. just make that above ground in New Jersey. Like, this is kind of, it's site-specific. Mm-hmm. I love this. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're all on the same page with this. The Action Park Water Slide Loop de Loop. Yes. Class Action Lawsuit Park. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Incredibly intense. I love that. That is awesome. Uh, Brandon, why don't you roll? Cool. Uno. Dos. Tres. Cuatro. One. Oh, this is a good one. Something dramatic or unbelievable happened to a camper who's coming back this summer. What is it? Well, We'll get more into this when I actually unveil my character, but I think one of the, not the newest kid, like second or third year kid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, definitely got abducted by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Brandon, what? Hey, Brandon, what's your character, bud? Hey, Brandon, what's your character? <laughs> what's going they, on? Uh, yeah, let's just say they needed to go out to the bathroom um, and there's a detached bathroom in one of the cabins because it's the oldest cabin. Cool. 
And so they went out to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and now they're claiming that they got abducted by aliens. I love that. Just flipping through the playbooks to see what the fuck you might be talking about. (laughs) Okay, here's my question here. What proof do they have that something changed them? Because I think that there needs to be something tangible that this camper can do now. Like, are they noticeably smarter? Mm. Like, can can they do, like, really low-level telekinesis that people just think is, ma- is, like, stage magic? Like, is there a way to explain that stuff? What happened to this? What can this kid now do that we can rationally explain away? I think maybe they're, like, tuned into something, right? So, like, they can easily find like radio frequencies or maybe they can easily find like mineral deposits magnetic north yeah oh yeah maybe they just don't get lost maybe they'll never get lost because they can find magnetic north they don't need a compass (laughs) i really like that kid claims they were abducted and now they have like low a low level power i was gonna say they came back like three inches taller and by the time they get home, the parents are like, it happens. And they just but, grew up over the year. Yeah, they just hit puberty. Like, they measured everybody yesterday, and then he's three inches taller. <laughs> I want that very badly. I love that. <laughs> Kid claims they were abducted by aliens, and now they can never get lost, and they're three inches taller. Can we say it's like an inch and three quarters, though? <laughs> yeah, like, sure. I want it to be sure. so, like, barely on the edge of plausible. <laughs> like, everybody maybe measures their heights, you know, on the cabin door frame at the start of the summer. It was week two. They could not have grown almost two inches in the course of two weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, you think they got abducted? No, I was saying they got abducted over the su- over the year. Oh, okay. I was saying they it happened like they were like abducted overnight and then returned. Or it's a legend, right? So like they they're talking about it from last year. It's like I see they are at the camp now because they're returning to the camp. But last year they tell everyone the tale of when they got abducted. Uh, in the middle of the night. How about they got six inches taller? Like they got like a major, major growth spurt and it's only been explained away, right? Because then like they got abducted last summer and now this summer they be like, yeah, I can never get lost in my, in the city that I'm from. And also now I'm six inches taller. Yeah. I love Like I love, I love that. Like we, maybe it needs to be even more dramatic. Perfect. Uh, Amanda, give me one last roll here. Five. Five. They finished work on one cabin. Which cabin is it and why is it better? So they've only done construction on one cabin. Can I pitch some ideas? Indoor plumbing. Indoor plumbing is definitely one. Mm -hmm. Um, They could do, for the older kids, they could have like a couple of actually separate rooms as opposed to like one big room. Mm -hmm. um, Privacy. For everyone. Yeah. Or maybe it's just like, in my head, it was like, Maybe this one's just like twice as big. Yeah. Like for no reason because they had to build it again, right? And then maybe they added a second story. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe the cabin that the kid was abducted from, allegedly, there was just enough kind of whispers of liability that they're like, you know what? We'll just we'll just do a little breezeway connecting it to the outhouse. And so now there's like a breezeway mudroom where people can keep things and also a bat sometimes. But the cabin is much bigger because they basically added on an extension connecting it to where the bathroom was. I really like that. That's fun. Maybe it's like a screened in porch or like a, you know. I love that because the cabin is still the oldest on the property, but now they have the most brand new extension thing. Yeah. Right. The cabin that is closest to the bathrooms, like the shower house, got like twice as big and also is connected to the shower house in that way. That's so funny. Wild. It's like, you know what you need not to get rained on when you go take a shower. But now, I mean, any noises you hear in the cabin is like, oh, someone must be showering. So really, it's not safer at all. Mm hmm. Cool. We are going to hop down to table three. These are the stories. Here's how we go. This is how we roll. This is our last one. Our last one. Oh, no, I dropped this one. I have to do another one. Six. 
Ah, a new illicit item is a new fad. What is it? How do the campers get it? Or one of the counselors got everyone into a new game. What is it? <laughs> cricket. It's not cricket. <laughs> I was going to say, my immediate assumption was like, someone figured out one level of technology that works at the camp, and now that's like the thing that is traded where it's what like if they all learn morse code someone managed to get their like their game boy finally to work and so now everyone kind of like passes game boys around hmm. i like that a lot did they do like a ham radio unit and now they have like a radio channel that is local to the <laughs> like a to pirate radio but for like 12 year olds that's fine maybe it's like walkie talkies like someone brought walkie talkies to the camp and now they can like communicate with each other and also like plan pranks better. And like, so it's like a real hassle to the counselors. That's good. Those are all good. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to do, I'm going to step one further on the Game Boy. Great. One of the counselors brought their indiscriminate game console to the camp and they found an old TV. And then you can like quote unquote rent the game console ah. as like a nighttime activity for your campers from this guy, and you got to give him like ten bucks. <laughs> Checks out. I love that. So I'm going to keep that one in terms of the counselors got everyone into a new game. They have a video game console. If you roll a six again, because this is an or, we can also the illicit item is still on the table. Great. How about that? Is there a specific game? I think he only has, like, one specific game. It has to be some sort of, like, stupid fighting game or stupid, like, multiplayer game um, that ever, that a bunch of kids can play at the same time because I think it's for the, all the controllers. I, like, distinctly remember trying to get, like, an old TV to work as someone, like, snuck their, like, GameCube or something into, into camp. And I really want there to be something like that, that a counselor is charging other counselors because they want to be like, yeah, I don't have to plan anything for tonight. We're just going to fucking do this. <laughs> yeah. First thing that popped in my head was Amongst Us. <laughs> That's <laughs> the knockoff of Among Us. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. I'm writing down Amongst Us. All right, uh, Julia, go ahead. I rolled a four. A four. What is the best food in the mess hall or... What is the worst food in the mess hall? <laughs> okay. And when does it come? So I've never been to a Waffle House, mm -hmm. but I feel like like one of the best things that comes out of this camp is the, like, I assume that they, like, hire a cook, right, to, like, make all the food and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like she just gets fucking wild with her waffle iron and we'll make like <laughs> you know hash brown waffles or just like regular really good waffles and stuff like that and they're i just had this image of there being like a barter system with her where the kids will go like pick berries and shit and then bring her berries and like for a cut of the like jam that she makes out of them like <laughs> they they get like free i don't know like extra fries and stuff like that a chocolate milk or something. yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> exchange for forage i love that yeah. that's very good hash brown waffle day is my favorite day I just wrote waffle iron biz. I'll make anything yeah. in a waffle iron. Julia, this is incredibly important. Is this a once a month thing? Is this like a, a weekly thing? When is waffle iron day? Oh, I think waffle iron day happens all the time. But what is the like rotating is what is being made in the waffle iron, you know? <laughs> okay. So for breakfast, she, she always uses a waffle yeah. iron. Or like. <laughs> 
Sundays, if you get there before 8 a.m., you know, you can have the waffle of the day special. Yeah, like, it's fried eggs, but it's in a waffle iron for some reason? What happened? How did that happen? How did she do she that? She makes everything in a waffle iron. I yeah. mean, she must have a fleet of them. I'm just imagining her, like, an omelet station yeah. at a buffet, you know, like, four in a row. I mean, like, it has to be that a waffle house closed down nearby and she got them all on sale. I love that breakfast is made with waffle irons and it's great is, the, is, is what you're saying. Not not even just breakfast. Everything's made with the waffle. I mean, iron. I'd eat a steak on a sweet potato waffle. Ooh. Like that sounds great. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say everything is made on a waffle, waffle iron to, va- to varying degrees of, of <laughs> to varying degrees of success. My favorite thing at the cafeteria in school was the breakfast pizza. So like, I'm mm. imagining her like just like throwing a biscuit dough with mozzarella in the waffle iron and then throwing bacon on top of it, and that's the breakfast pizza, and everyone fucking loves it. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that once again I have world built but with food (laughs) the dice told you to that's true uh frampton give me what you got two two it's time for color war for those of you who don't know what that is color war is kind of the inter-camp battle of everything where you do plenty of sports and games uh some sort of arbitrary theme is called there's colors basically the whole camp is divided up into teams and they compete against it but there's usually one very large event that looms large in everyone's psyche and the entire day what is the big event that everyone is pointing to so you're saying like it's like team blue versus team red versus team yellow kind of thing yeah cool yeah 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 um, okay, so I'm gonna throw some ideas out there. I want to hear y'all's opinions. So I, in my head, immediately went to tug of war. Immediately went to water balloon fight. Immediately went to freeze tag hide and seek. Mm. Oh, what if it's like flashlight tag? Maybe that's the big thing at night. Like the final thing is like this big flashlight tag at night, um, where it's like combo hide and seek, freeze tag, flashlight tag thing. That's interesting. I love that. I was thinking scavenger hunt for the same reason, but something where there's like lots of people kind of roving around the grounds. I I love that idea. Especially creepy at night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that it's hide and seek and it transitions into flashlight tag once it gets dark out. Ooh, like it's an all day thing. Yeah, like or it's like the entire time if you're designated as either the hider or the seeker, it's like a very big deal. So it's got to start at night, right? Because they got to start it at the bonfire. Like it's the end of camp. Oh, okay. Bonfire, right? And then like they do the some of a ritual at the bonfire, and then they like say one, two, three, go. Everyone disperses, and it's like sardines where you you hide, but you're allowed to move. Manhunt. Yeah. Yes, manhunt. So it's freeze tag with flashlights. So like you're hide and seeking. But when you move around, if you get caught with a flashlight, you have to freeze and then get tagged by the other team. I like that a lot. I think it's cool. I wonder how they're able to tell if you get tagged by the flashlight. There must be like, oh, man, I maybe there's like a a philo, what do you call it? Uh, Nature things that respond to light. Like like bioluminescent. Yeah. So something that's like it changes when it sees light, it does something different. There must be like a part of a tree or like some sort of mushroom or or lichen that like you, you need to put on your body. And like when you're tagged with the flashlight, it glows and that's how you know you're out. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I like that. Or just like little glow in the dark vests, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think there's a word they say when you get caught and that's the name of the game. But I don't know what it is. I think that's very cool. I like that a lot. I like the idea that there needs to be some sort of way to adjudicate that it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like flashlight tag is so subjective. Do you know how do you know how in fencing like there's like a, a contact between the tip of your foil and the vest and it like dings when you hit it? Like it's not it's not about the 
pressure. It's about like the two things hit and then like an electrical connection happens. Sure. Maybe oh. there's a vest that's like very lightly solar powered. And so it's like a special flashlight or it's a UV light or whatever. And like when you when you hit it, it like absorbs a little bit of light enough to glow, make the person glow. It's right. like a reverse glow stick, right? Like it only responds when you flash light on it. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Like like any sort of glow in the dark material, when you put a flashlight on it and you turn it off, that specific light is going to glow, right? It has to charge. Oh, yeah. it has to charge. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I forgot that that existed. That's okay. I was like, that'd be cool if that existed. I'd love that. <laughs> it's also kind of hard to cheat when someone tags with a flashlight and you're like, yes. Uh, I'm in literally on a spotlight, you know? Yeah. Brandon, I care about the rules of a fake game you just created. <laughs> I need to make sure that it's proper judging. We're all invested now. But what's the word? I think it's got to be something made up. Like, you know, you know I like, do like that someone that you need to call something out. What are you, what are you thinking? People. Like, like boom whack or something, but like. Boom whack. <laughs> Pop it. Twist, Twist it. it. Pull, Pull it. it. Da, 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 Pop do, it. Do, do, do. We'll definitely come up with a name for this game at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll, we'll put that in for sure. Amanda, you have the last one here. All right. So you can roll a one, a three, a five, or a six for the illicit item. Got a three. Hell yes. The camp has a rivalry with another camp. Who is the camp and where is it? Oh, man. I think that this rival camp should be called, like, Wolf Hill or something. Yep. And <laughs> they, they howl annoyingly at you. And I think that it's... Is it a sports rivalry? Is it like a, you know, once a year there's like an intercamp volleyball game or softball game or like capture the flag match? Yeah. I really like a intercamp capture the flag. That seems very cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And like you always went there and they looked exactly the same as you. It was like, look at these fucking assholes. I hate them. Yeah, no, exactly. And and all the little things of like where their mess hall is or like, oh, they don't have waffles. They do pancakes. Like, ugh, the worst. But, you know, you just have a real kind of mentality that makes anything the person does feel terrible to you and there must be some kind of stealing of an object back and forth or the victor has a you know a trophy or something that like has pride of place in the camp if you were the victor last year where is the camp i think that that's important like how far away is it is it like kind of just is it very close by so that you can hear them howl maybe it's on the other side of the locks Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's because the locks are then will be unclaimed, but now they're like, it's kind of like butting right up against it now. Yeah, and like different elevations. I also was going to ask whether or not you think that Wolf Hill has like a specialty, like if it's like, I don't know, a science camp or a like Boy Scout camp or something like that. Julia, while I was writing this down, my fingers took away from me and I wrote down the Wolf Hill Camp for Learning and Enrichment Center of Good and Upstanding Children. It, that sounds like <laughs> a like pre-military camp and that's what I was picturing. So, mwah. Oh, like pre-ROTC yes. camp? Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I'm sure that's a thing. No, I like that a lot. For it's like the Citadel. Do you guys know about the Citadel? Yeah, that's like where Pat Conroy went, based off of um, where like the Prince of Tides, or a different novel that he wrote. Basically, the Citadel is a college that acts like it's the army or like it's uh, West Point or something, but it's a hundred percent not. They just like did it willingly. They're like, what if we pretended we were a military school? And it's not, it's just straight up is not. That's so weird. And of course, then it has like all of the problems that comes along with a military school, but they willingly just chose to do it. Like you don't go there and then be immediately go to the Air Force. You just like went to the Citadel. 
Weird. Yeah. It's very weird. I like that a lot. Someone willingly going to that place. And I bet they have a lot of money and everything's very new. And so they come to our shabby ass camp and uh, have a lot of snobbery about it, which makes the rivalry all the more intense. I do love the fact that they howl all the time. And then so you need to tell the little kids that are staying over at the lock for an overnight. They're like, there aren't wolves. It's just just the the other camp. (laughs) Yes. That's very good. I like that a lot. And also they might be werewolves. So who can say? There you go. Who can really say? I have a thing for the game. Yes. Yes. So I think the game is called How Doth the Little Crocodile, which is a poem from Alice in Wonderland. Okay. And when they stand around the fire, they chant the poem, which is How Doth the Little Crocodile Improve His Shining Tail and Pour the Waters of the Nile on Every Golden Scale. How cheerfully he seems to grin, how neatly spreads his claws and welcomes little fishes and with gently smiling jaws. And then they scatter. Sorry, that's one of the few poems that I have memorized. (laughs) Brandon, you were reading, but Julia's eyes went back and she turned blue. You missed it. It was great. That's like if you start reciting The Raven at Amanda, you know she'd join along. (laughs) Don't activate me. And then maybe they yell like corkscrew when they hit you with the flashlight like a crocodile would, you know? Ooh, I like that a lot. Love it. Please send that to me. That is that is very good. Hell yes. All right, those are all my questions. Yay. Okay, so let's review what we have here. Um, we are we're talking about Camp Diogenes. Yeah. Um, this was originally the area was originally settled by the Society of Diogenes, which was like an offshoot of the most shit posting ass Greek philosopher out there. That's true. Uh, the nickname is also Camp Di. We're kind of going for like an American Gothic style, like real weird Americana. It could be anywhere from like the 1970s to 2005 but we don't really know the time there's just like not a lot of tech around um especially we're in the middle of nowhere there's no service the adjectives we're going off of are adventurous creaky and grand on table one talking about the space there is a natural spring that leads into a very large swimming hole with a waterfall and the adjectives we chose for that were dappled clear and deep like imagine a very small creek leading into a very deep water quarry maybe it was maybe there was gold pan there maybe they were looking for stone maybe there was mining who knows who really knows what's happening we're 13 we don't know what does the front gate look like it was a old covered bridge that now is the front gate of camp die uh what activity or building is in an incredibly inconvenient place there is a theater and sports storage like area that is in a cellar of the main auditorium but the only way to access it is by opening like very very weird doors and going through a crawl space The boundaries of the camp, there is a country road that leads up to the covered bridge. There is the lake, which we talked about, the the swimming hole. And then there is a, in the woods, there is a wiggling stone wall with lots of carns. But we're calling them stone johnnies. You better bet your ass we are. (laughs) (laughs) Table two, new changes. Something unbelievable happened to a returning camper. A kid claimed they were abducted last summer. And over the year, they grew six inches and now can never get lost. Uh, because of how they access mad negative waves. You know, it's funny. When I came up with this, I thought like one of the kids got famous because they were in a movie. <laughs> That's what I thought what it was going to be. But this is much better. A group explores more of the campgrounds. They found the locks, which are some abandoned campgrounds, like, you know, f- with uh, flat places to put tents and stuff. Uh, the little kids go out there for overnight camping trips. And the oldest kids go out there and kind of do their like last night activities there. And they put locks kind of on trees or whatever they have as a new tradition of being the last campers and graduating. Oh God, that's so creepy to walk into a a forest where there's locks all over the trees. (laughs) 
There is one cabin now that is twice as large. It is closest to the shower house, and now it's connected to it by a breezeway, which is very funny. Um, The camp got a new attraction, which is a water slide from an action park-style, very dangerous amusement park, uh, notorious for the loop-de-loop, but there are also other things like in storage where you could change the... uh, the water slide into something else ridiculous, like a very large jump, for example. And then finally, the stories. Color War, the big event, is a flashlight tag manhunt combination, where at this final bonfire, they read this poem from Alice in Wonderland, and it's very terrifying and very, very important. It's like 30% of Color War, and usually determines who wins. The camp has a rivalry. Camp Die has a a rivalry with the Wolf Hall Camp for Learning and Enrichment uh, for Good and Up standing children who howls and it's like kind of like a pre-ROTC sort of thing. That sounds like such series of unfortunate events bullshit. I'm so here for it. (laughs) I'm going to have to come up with a name. I keep like moving the fucking prepositions around. No, keep it. I love it. In Wolf Hill and not Wolf Hall, which is a book series. Yes. Uh, We're not talking about like the the people who married uh, the kings of England. We're talking about something else. In the mess hall. Is there some overlap, Eric? Probably. It definitely (laughs) But Both the best and the worst thing about the mess hall is that everything is made with waffle irons, which is very wild. And the woman who runs the mess hall will give you something in exchange for foraging berries and uh, bringing them to her. Also mushrooms, probably. Anything. Anything that you can find. And finally, one of the counselors got everyone into a new game. They smuggled a game console in. They found an old TV. And then there's some sort of like multiplayer game that all of the campers are getting very into. Brandon pitched Amongst Us. Maybe something like that. (laughs) They were going to figure out. I'm interested. I'm interested in this shit. This is good. This is fantastic. Oh, this is wonderful. So here's what's going to happen next, where we're going to have a kind of session zero for introducing how to play Monster of the Week a little bit more and introducing the characters. There's like a very formal introduction session for Monster of the Week characters. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to hop right into uh, the campaign and we're going to do a few episodes of this. Campaign. Campaign. Guys, why did we name it Campaign? P-A-I-N. Oh, we made a mistake. Oh, well. (laughs) That's what Camp Die campers call Wolf Hill. Campaign. Campaign. That's true. That's good. Brandon, the reason why is that you didn't write a short story called (laughs) Campaign. That's why. Because I wasn't smart enough in third grade. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, listen, it's lights out you all need to go to bed the staff need to prepare what's happening next in this in the campaign but i have a sugar high and anxiety no i'll just shut up i don't (laughs) i'm gonna go make out with my girlfriend at the waterfall (laughs) fucking peace nerds (laughs) turning the light off rude bye bye guys later